You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. At some point, most of us stop living out of imagination and start living out of memory. That's the day we stop creating the future and start repeating the past. That's the day we stop living by faith and start living by logic. That's the day we stop dreaming of what-if possibilities and end up with if-only regrets. I don't want to be like that. This message was for me. Have you fallen into patterns that were defined by the ways of the world? If so, it's time to look back to Jesus. Ask Him for a clear vision of how to contribute to the kingdom. Seek out His will and put into action tasks that'll work towards it. Today, Pastor Danny challenges you to wake up and to live for God's will before it's too late. Don't grow old and find that you're full of regrets, but instead, grow old knowing that you bore much fruit. Move through the years as a servant to Christ. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Joshua chapter 13 as he continues his message, Lessons from an Old Giant Killer. As I look at the life of Caleb, I'm encouraged, but I'm also challenged in a very good way. Here's some of the things I learned from his life I'm being challenged by. He was a man of courage. And if you're worth your salt for Jesus Christ, it'll take courage. I'm not just talking about standing in the world for Jesus Christ. I'm talking about standing in the church for Jesus Christ. It'll take courage. I don't know if this name means anything. If I can say it correctly, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He was a Russian novelist, historian, and back in the day, he was an outspoken critic of the Soviet Union and communism. And to do that, it takes courage. Let me read you one of the things he said. Must one point out that from ancient times, a decline in courage has been considered the beginning of the end. I love Mark Batterson's books. I think he's a great author. He tells great stories, makes great points. And I've read everything he's put out, and anything he puts out now, I'll read. And one of the books he put out is called If. If. Great book. Let me read you a couple of things he says in this book called If. There are 1,784 ifs in the Bible. Most of those ifs function as conditional conjunctions on the front end of God's promises. If we meet the condition, God delivers on the promise. But if you don't meet the condition, no fulfillment of the promise. And then he says on this page, 
At the end of your life, your greatest regret won't be the things you did but wish you hadn't. Your greatest regret will be the things you didn't do but wish you had. Study done by two social psychologists says, according to their research, time is a key factor in what we regret. In the short term, we tend to regret actions more than inactions by a count of 53 to 47%. In other words, we feel acute regret over the mistakes we've made. But over the long haul, we regret inactions more than actions 84 to 16%. Do not come to the end of your life and have to say, I wish I had more courage for the Lord. I wish I had more courage to step out by faith in the things he was moving me inside by his spirit, the things he was challenging me with in his word. Don't come to the end of your life and say, I wish I had the courage. Caleb was a man of courage. Joshua was a man of great courage. And I'll tell you the second thing I learned from Caleb, not just courage. You talk about perseverance. Perseverance has to do with time. Caleb's one of the 12 spies. He goes into the promised land. He sees the great things God has there. But they're giants. He comes back. And because of the faithlessness of the majority, he and Joshua have to wander in the wilderness with a faithless congregation for 45 years. But God had promised him. God had promised him. The land you put your feet on when you went in as one of those spies, one day it'll be yours and your family's. And he persevered for 45 years before he ever got to experience the fulfillment of God's promise to him. I'm impressed. I'm challenged. And as I thought about it, I thought about what that perseverance meant, practically speaking. For example, God took me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and he refers to the failure of the people during the wilderness wandering. He says in verse 6, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. And then he mentions some of the things they failed in. Don't be idolaters as some of them were. Don't let anything or anyone become more important to you than God. Don't commit sexual immorality as some of them did. It's rampant in our culture and rampant in the church. Don't fail there. And if you have, repent. Get right with God. It's not a very seeker-sensitive comment. That's because I'm not seeker-sensitive. I'm God-sensitive. Doesn't mean I don't care about new people in the church. Don't test the Lord as some of them did. They tested him by repeated failure. They never would learn the lessons. And and God finally said, I've had enough. And he sent snakes among them. (laughs) And you're going to love the last one. And don't grumble. Watch your mouth. Now, let me as the pastor of this church just take a moment and address that. Because I don't want to keep trying to put out brush fire. Because the honeymoon's over here. The honeymoon's over here. And now we're starting to get organized, and now we're starting to add staff. And guess what? Now that we're getting organized and starting to add staff, now the real test of getting along with one another comes. People not agreeing with certain decisions. People not 
having a real good time with certain personalities and, and dealing with that. And that, guess what? Welcome to real life. Welcome to the church. Joshua and Caleb had to persevere for 45 years in personal holiness, not getting off into the sins that other people were getting off in. And they had to persevere in not complaining. And they had plenty to complain about. They could have been in the land of promise 45 years before. All these faithless people. And don't forget, these are people that wanted to get rid of the pastor and the associate pastor and the two radical guys that were filled with courage and faith. And Joshua and Caleb had to hang out with these guys for 45 years. You tell me that wasn't a relational challenge. Perseverance has to do with time. But here's what else you learn from these guys. They had amazing patience with people. I would be an absolutely great pastor if it weren't for the people. Listen to this. James chapter 5. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. After years of his suffering, and part of his suffering, suffering included his best friends giving him counsel and trying to tell him all the reasons why all the bad things were happening to him. And all of a sudden, the relationships he had were strained and in some ways severed. And Job had, to, Job had to be patient and persevere, not just with his circumstances and his suffering, but with the people around him. And at the end of Job, chapter 42, verse 12, it says, Job, God blessed the latter part of his life more than the first. But it was years until he got to that point, and he had to persevere not only in character and holiness, but he had to persevere with people. He had to have patience. Perseverance has to do with time. Patience has to do with people. Ephesians makes it very clear. Forbear with one another in love. You got me worked up. Now that you're feeling all fuzzy, warm, all under, let me give you a couple of, couple of verses, all right? Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 20. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, quarrel dies down. Stop your complaining. Stop your mumbling and grumbling. That's what the Israelites did for 40 years in the wilderness wandering. Stop it. They complain. What do they complain about? They complain about everything. They complained about Moses. They complained about Aaron. They complained about the radicalness of Joshua and Caleb. They complained about their hardships. They complained about Moses' wife. They didn't like her. They complained and complained and complained. Stop it. Stop your grumbling. You say, why are you addressing the whole church? Because I'm the pastor of the whole church. And I don't want to keep going around trying to put out brush fires. Stop it. Proverbs Chapter 16, verse 28, the last part. A gossip separates close friends. Another verse back where we were says a gossip and what he said, it goes down to a man's inmost parts. It affects his heart. And our words, and you love it when you say something and somebody agrees with you, especially when you're talking about somebody else. And all of a sudden they agree with you and you say, oh, and if you've got more people on your side than they have on their side, then you feel like, well, we're of the Lord. No, you're a grumbler. 
And sometimes what they complained about was valid, valid complaint, valid complaint. But still, what you do with the complaint is you go to the Lord. And if you're personally offended, here's what the Bible said. If you're personally offended by somebody, including me, if I offend you, you go to them. That's a lot of meetings for me. Man. Maybe we can have a group session. No. But the Bible says somebody offends you, you go to them. You don't go talking behind their back. You go to them. And then if they repent, you've won your brother. And sometimes it's just a misunderstanding. Sometimes they don't need to repent. Sometimes what you believe about them, and you believe it, but it's not true. And, you, and if, if you can't work it out, you take somebody else with you. And then you sit back down with them again. And then if you really love, you can't work it out, then you go to the leadership of the church. That's the last, that's the last straw. You go to the leadership of the church, and then the leadership of the church gets involved. And if it's a serious enough thing, then sometimes the leadership of the church would say to somebody, look, if you're not willing to deal with this, you just need to leave. Now, that's the, that's the ultimate seriousness. And that's not just with petty things, you know. But that's what the Bible says. We need to deal with one another and not be like these guys. Listen, they, they had courage, perseverance, and patience, patience, but they were the minority. Perseverance has to do with time. Patience has to do with people, people. Let me tell you, (laughs) when you don't do well here, here's what happens. You lose this. Now, this is what Caleb and Joshua somehow maintained, but it's easy to lose. You lose your passion. It takes the wind out of your sail. Let me put it another way. You lose your zeal. And you just want to get on the southwest flight and go to the islands, <laughs> kick back, throw yourself thrown in the water like the commercial. There's a verse in the New Testament Paul the Apostle wrote, <laughs> inspired by the Holy Spirit, so it's the Word of God, and here's what it says, Romans 12, 11. Here's what it says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I remember the first time I read that, I started looking for the footnotes around it to try to figure out how do you do that? It just says it. doesn't tell you how to do it. How do you do it? How do you never be lacking in zeal? Because I know what it is to lose my zeal. And God gave me a couple of statements. A couple of statements. And, and listen, faith must be renewed before passion can be restored. And so I'm going to go ahead and put up the last one. I know it's down at the bottom here. If you can't see it from where you are, it's faith. 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 And faith and passion are linked. And linked. You lose your passion, you don't have a lot of faith. You lose your faith, you don't have a lot of passion, a lot of zeal. Faith must be restored or renewed for passion to be restored. You need to hear from God. You need the Word to minister to you. Second thing God gave me on this, the depth of our faith determines the degree of our passion. The deeper your faith, the greater your zeal. You hear what I said? The greater your faith, deeper your faith, the greater your zeal. You want to see somebody on fire? That's somebody with great faith, especially in the midst of all the challenges of life. For the sake of time, we won't turn to it. Old Testament story, prophet Elijah goes to the king of Israel at the time. King of Israel is facing, as happened regularly, uh, great army, enemy army, you know, and so Elisha the prophet speaking the word of the Lord to him, 
you know, you're going to have victory. All you have faith, courage, hang in there. Come on. And the prophet has the king a bow and some arrows. Says, take the arrows, hit the ground. So he takes the arrows and he hits the ground three times. And if you understand the context, he hit it three times, but it wasn't with a whole lot of passion. Elisha got mad. Said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. As it is, you can only get three victories. You could have had ultimate victory, but you're going to have limited victory now. Limited victory because you have limited zeals, limited passion. And he had limited passion and zeal because he had limited faith. He had little faith, and so he had little passion. And so he had limited victory. He didn't have all that God wanted him to have. I'm going to leave you with one last thought. Faith determines vision. Very important. Faith determines vision. I find it fascinating. I found this. The eagle has eight times as many visual cells per cubic centimeter than a human. This translates into into some pretty astounding capabilities. Flying at 600 feet elevation, an eagle can spot an object the size of a dime moving through six-inch grass. It can see three-inch fish jumping in a lake three miles away. It sees what others miss. Joshua said, 45 years earlier, God spoke to me, and here I am now, 85 years old, and I'm just as strong to go out today as I was then. Yes! I love that guy. Sometimes you need your faith renewed. I need my faith renewed from time to time. Mark Batterson says, neuroimaging has shown us that as we age, our cognitive center of gravity shifts from the imaginative right brain to the logical left brain. At some point, most of us stop living out of imagination and start living out of memory. That's the day we stop creating the future and start repeating the past. That's the day we stop living by faith and start living by logic. That's the day we stop dreaming of what-if possibilities and end up with if-only regrets. I don't want to be like that. This message was for me. I have a challenge, as the Lord has challenged me. You're a young person. You're young in physical age. My challenge to you is, have the spirit of Caleb. Have the spirit of Joshua. Have the spirit of a David who's willing to go out and face the Goliaths of life. Because there are a lot of them, and there's not just one. You know, you could take this whole message and wrap it into one little bowl here and say, what is the biggest thing you're facing in life right now? What is it in life as a young person that you need the courage to do for the Lord, for the Lord, and to persevere in it so that you don't come to the end of your life and have, if only, regrets? You want to come to the end of your life and look back and see some giants lying on the ground because you have been a young person of courage and you've taken the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and you've stood against the enemy. We don't have a lot of people like that in our generation. It only takes one. Will you be that one, young person, to face the giants in life?
courage to stand for Jesus Christ. Or you're a seasoned saint. I'll be there in a minute. Take your walker, or if you're in a wheelchair, and you get your sword, and you get it up, and you say, go ahead, make my day. <laughs> and you don't keep staring at your 401k or look and go, what am I going to do today? I'll tell you what you're going to do today. You're going to see how you can go and face a giant and stand against him. Some of the giants the seasoned saints are facing is a grandchild that really needs Jesus. Do you know that there's no point physically, there's no point in numerical age that you can't put on any piece of armor that God has instructed us to put on? Putting on that armor has nothing to do with your physical limitations. You can be in a hospital room, in a bed, and you can pray. And you can take the sword of the Spirit. You can take any of those pieces of the armor. There's no limitation. And some of the greatest victories in your life might be in your senior years. Might be as a seasoned saint. So I challenge young people to stand. Stand for Jesus Christ in a faithless generation. I challenge old people, seasoned saints, stand for God. Don't rest on your laurels and don't just try to kick back and think, I'm going to cruise to the end. No. Take on some giants. Win some battles, some victories. Maybe greater victories in your older age than any time before in your life. So here's how I want to close. You're challenged by this like I was, and you say, you know what, I need courage. I haven't been a person of courage. I need, cur I need courage in the classroom. I need courage uh, in my family. I need courage with my friends. I need courage. I haven't really stood for Christ. I need courage. Lord, help me. Help me to be courageous. <laughs> I need to persevere. Some of us have been, been going for years and years and years. And because, you know, you're having to deal with life and you're having to deal with people, maybe you've lost your passion. Maybe you've lost your zeal. Man, I know what it's like. I know what it's like. I know what it's like as a pastor to just feel like, I don't want to do it anymore. I know what that feels like. You say, I need fresh faith. I need to take the Word of God. I need to hear from God. I need to take, because I need my faith renewed for my passion to be restored. Some of us, you're doing well right now. You're doing well, but you say, I want to, I want to keep on doing well. And so you say, I just, I just want to say, Lord, help me to keep on keeping on. Finish well. And so my invitation, not, we're not, not going to be long, not going to be long, but, but it's going to be meaningful. You'd like to come and just stand here. Maybe you're coming to say, you know what? I've never had the courage to actually receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've been around him, know all about him, but I don't know him personally. Maybe you want to come and say, I want to receive Jesus. Or you're coming for any other reason. And you say, I just, I just say, Lord, fill me. Lord, help me. Lord, go before me. You come. Just come. And let's just stand right here. And we're going to pray for one another. That's our closing. Not going to be long and drawn out, but it's going to be very meaningful. You like to come and say, yeah, yeah, that's me. Come on. 
Pastor Denny has been walking you through several books of Scripture in a study called Gleanings from the Old Testament. He's been highlighting important stories and characters, demonstrating how they fit in God's kingdom plans. These people you've been meeting didn't have the benefit of the entire Bible to live from. They didn't know Jesus personally. They only had the promise of salvation to come. In fact, many of the people you'll continue to learn about had to trust God to fulfill the promises that He had made to them, even though they wouldn't be fully realized even in their lifetime. God continues to make promises today to you and to other faithful followers. Those things may be fulfilled while you're still alive, but it's possible that the promise is something for the future, something that you have a part in but won't see fully until you're with Him in heaven. Today, be courageous, stand firm in what the Lord has told you, and follow Him faithfully anyway. You have a part to play in God's kingdom plan, so walk it out with confidence with your Creator. We're so glad that you joined us today on The Living Word. We'd like to pray for you during this study. Would you send us an email and let us know how we can do that? Connect with us at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today. Join Pastor Danny next time to continue studying in the Old Testament right here on The Living Word.